episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 32. This week, I finally caught up with Steve Darnell from World Up in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been chasing Steve for a while. Uh, I was meant to chat to him when I went to America back in November. And uh, I enjoy watching his show. I, you know, I think what he does... You know, some may find it sacrilegious, but I, I just love his ingenuity and the way he thinks through and, and does whatever he wants, really. So uh, it's been really good to catch up and have a chat with him. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, one of the big things we chat about um, on this is, is cancer, actually, because uh, you're, well, you're here in the podcast. I won't spoil too much. But uh, I just wanted to put a shout out to one of my good friends here in Mount Beauty, uh, Mick. Mick owns a local brewery, the Crank Handle Brewery here in Mount Beauty. And uh He's going through a bit of a, a rough stage at the moment. And I just wanted to put a shout out to anyone in the sort of northeast Victoria, in the border bubble right now. Um, the brewery's closed this weekend, but as of next weekend, it'll be open. And, you know, if you, if you and a few mates have got a truck and you just feel like going for a cruise somewhere, um, you know, think about coming to Mount Beauty, go to the brewery and have a, have a burger and a beer and, and just support, you know, a, a local truck guy. He's got a really nice 64 F100 and um, having a bit of a rough trot at the moment. So anyone out there that feels like coming, just dropping a few dollars in the local brewery, uh, I think that'd be a really cool thing. And obviously Mount Beauty and, and this area is a nice place to visit. So thanks for that. Uh, enjoy this episode. Uh, had a good chat to Steve. If you've never seen the show, you can jump on YouTube. There's, uh, most of the episodes are up there now called Welder Up. Uh, you might find that Sin City Rat Rods or Vegas Rat Rods. So uh, anyway, enjoy this episode. Uh, it was really fun chatting to Steve, and we'll catch up with you guys soon. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I appreciate you taking a bit of time out of your busy schedule uh, all the way over there in Las Vegas. Uh, how's it going today? It's going good today. The weather actually is pretty nice today, so I'm excited about that. It's been 115 degrees here for the last two months, so <laughs> nice to see cool weather yeah so good you guys are, are heading into i guess what what you call winter but it doesn't it doesn't probably change too much for you guys over there yeah not much i mean we don't the, you know the seasons don't really change here like up north but um the weather does get cool i mean in the, the desert at night will surprisingly freeze your butt off if you're not careful but um but it don't last you know you get up in the day and it's usually i think in the daytime it it's 50 degrees, 60 degrees in the dead of winter. So, you know, that ain't so bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 that's not bad at all. Mate. Um, what we do with our guests normally, we, you know, we go back to, to where it all started and, and, you know, the sickness, I guess I like to call it, but, uh, what, what are your first memories, you know, as a, as a young fellow, what, what are your automotive influences and, and what are your memories from that time? 
Well, I don't know. There's so many of them, you know, because I just, I think since I was born, I just loved it. I loved automotive. Anything that made noise, I wanted to go see what it was and how it mechanically ran. And, you know, <clears throat> I think all those memories of, you know, I mean, the, the thing of it is, is I've grown up so diversified. It had a lot of things going on in my life. Like my dad was an iron worker, so he had a steel business. And, you know, growing up around forklifts and heavy equipment and things like that and the mechanics of like how machinery worked. And then my mom wound up, uh, you know, my parents separated and she wound up uh, marrying a guy from Eastern Montana and my uncle up there had a big ranch and, you know, up there was farm equipment and, you know, looking at some of the equipment, the guys were building in the thirties, you know, during the great depression, there was a lot of that equipment still laying around out there in them fields. And you could just see how they mechanically made all this stuff, which kind of inspired me. Like when I started building, you know, these rat rods, it was like, you know, the common sense of progression with ingenuity was always so intriguing to me. You know what I mean? In a way it's like, you know, it's complicated to look at, but it's like, Oh, that's simple. Like how they came up with that idea. So, you know, it's like when I built the diesel rat rod, I was like, you know, why not put a, a thousand horsepower diesel engine in a rat rod. I mean, you know, you got to think back in the old days, they would have done something like that if they had one of those motors back then, which they did. I mean, if you look at your history, um, Clancy Cummins, I think, designed his first Cummins diesel in the early 1900s. And by the 1920s, he was driving it from coast to coast on peanut oil. So the Cummins diesel has been around for, shoot, for a lot of years now. And, um, but, all those, you know, and then my dad was always into cars, you know, and my mom. So they grew up in the 60s. And here in Las Vegas, and I know you've been here, you know, everybody cruised the Fremont Street back in the old days. Yeah. And, you know, just hearing the stories of, you know, my mom had a 56 Chevy and my dad had a 57 Chevy. And, you know, of course, his was a four-speed with a 409 or something in it with Hillborns. And it was cool, you know. It was a, it was a nostalgic hot rod back you know that was what they were doing and my dad's always been into cars and me too so you know my mom also so as a little kid you know I would always you know I recognize you know an old car and I was you know I always had something laying around that I was working on whether it was a mini bike or a go-kart or kind of what got me into it and you know most kids unfortunately nowadays they don't have that opportunity to grow up on a BMX bike and play with a, a metal Tonka, Tonka truck, you know, I mean, my kids, you know, they're 22 and 20 years old. I threw all their toys away cause they were junk. They sit out in the sun and they rot, you know? Um, so we, we didn't have video games and stuff. So we, we actually had to go outside and play and learn how to like make our fun. You know what I mean? And I think as a child, you know, you, that's where you get creative when you're young like that. And I don't know about you, but most of the guys that are listening to this right now um, that are my age, can you remember the desire to want to build a go-kart with your friend, but you didn't know what to do? You know, you have a motor, but you want to build a frame. You don't know how to weld. You don't know how to do nothing, but you want to do it so bad that you're like, let's just take this lawnmower and chop it apart and drive it around. Yeah. You know? And 
I think that was the thing that inspired me to get into what I'm doing is just, you know, <clears throat> taking what's laying around and try to get it running and go have fun with it. And then creatively, you just start stacking it on top of each other until you wind up building something so cool that the whole world loves it, you know, which like the diesel rat rod. I mean, I never thought that it would become what it is, but it's basically a go-kart that me and my buddy built in the shop and we put a twin turbo, you know, angry <laughs> comes diesel in it. and uh and the rest is history you know but i think that's really kind of what got me going at a young age is just you know wanting that desire to want to put something together so bad even though you didn't know what you were doing you still wanted to figure something out yeah and growing up on a farm or on property i, I think it almost becomes second nature like i i grew up on a property and you know you'd, you'd have an ag bike but you wanted a dirt bike. So we used to just cut everything off it, you know, cut the exhaust off and cut all the guards oh, yeah. off it. And, you know, you, yeah, like you say, you just, you just hack something up and try and with the limited skills you've got, you're trying to create something. And then you, you got older and got big tools and became a big kid and, and made a big go-kart, you know, that's pretty cool. That's exactly right. And that's kind of what really makes it, you know, it, it's it's evolution of being who you are today. And, you know, like I said, unfortunately, a lot of these kids nowadays, you know, they don't, they don't desire it like I think my generation did because, you know, we had cars laying around still. You know, nowadays there's, I mean, shit, what are you going to do with a Prius? Yeah. You know what I mean? Not much, you know. So it's, I don't know, I'd like to say that it's not a, it's not going away because there's a lot of young guys that are really loving it, which is cool. And um, as long as I can inspire them to get off their butt and go outside and, you know, or go find something cool, which that's the one of the greatest things about doing this TV show was look at the people that it's inspired to go out. Look at you. You, you actually spent two and a half months waiting on a 12 outcome diesel to show up so you could put it in your, your, uh, your Chevy truck. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's desire. I mean, that's like, you really, like, it's in, something's inspired you to do that. And, and like, you can't wait. Like for me, I take that for granted because I could get on the, in the paper today and probably find a 12 valve, bring it home and start working on it today, you know? So for you to have to go through all what you went through to get that, that's desire. And, you know, that's how much you love it. That's cool for me to see that, you know, that's, that's pretty badass. Yeah, it's it's something that uh, especially you know for all our listeners in Australia, it's it's a really hard thing for us to, especially I mean on you know on, on TV shows like yours and and obviously there's a, a hundred other uh, automotive shows these days, but we're just watching stuff on YouTube, you know, and it's we look at all this stuff that you guys just like you say, you can just go down a junkyard and pull an LS for five hundred bucks or get a Cummins or. You know, we, we, we've got access to a lot of that stuff, but it's a lot harder to get. And a lot of the time, someone else has already imported it for us. So we got to we got to pay big dollars. But, yeah, it's it's cool. We, we've got some good stuff out here as well, but uh, not quite as much as what you guys have laying around. Yeah, it's, it's um, it is. I, I guess I take it for granted sometimes, you know, and the availability to be able to throw something together. And, you know, why not? You know, it's kind of it's kind of cool that we can have that opportunity and take advantage of it a little bit because, you know, I don't know in the next five or 20 years, you know, what people are going to, I'm sure it's still going to be around, but 
I don't know if it's going to be like it is right now, you know, like as, as we get older, you know, we'll run it for another 20 years, but hopefully after that, these kids take off and keep it going, you know, keep that tradition alive, you know, and you know, the, the rat rod thing is really just kind of a twist in the whole automotive world where, you know, I feel like the nineties, you know, uh, a lot of those cars were built by baby boomers, you know, and, you know, here in America, you know, all these guys were, they drove those cars when they were young as like a, just a mom car, you know? And then when they got older in their fifties and sixties, they're like, you know what? My dad had a 57 Chevy two door Bel Air. I'm going to make it like perfect. So then they'd throw a hundred thousand dollars back then with a lot of money at a car and you know what it did is it to me it kind of kind of ruined the um it was good for the industry as far as selling stuff you know everybody had a 350 with an elderbrock carburetor turbo 350 transmission or nine inch um you know uh but what it did is it, it took that car that car's history and it covered it all up and you don't know for sure what's underneath that car. So me, I like to find them a little rough where I can, it tells a story. And I think anybody that's building a rat rod, that's what it's all about is telling the story of what it was. Like, I'm sure your Chevy truck has a story, you know, and it's going to have a story for your grandkids to tell because they're going to be like, you know, my, my grandpa or whoever built this truck and he waited so long to get this motor. He put it together and blah, blah, blah. it'll keep going. And it's so unique looking, you know what I mean? Especially with the late model stuff that's coming out now. I mean, you you drive my diesel rat rod in and you park it by a bunch of Ferraris. People just come over and look at that rat rod because it's so crazy and so weird and so, so cool that they just love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's a different, it's a different scenery, you know, no matter where you take it. So I think the rat rods really, you know, in these old trucks, like taking a, you know, a 55 Chevy truck and putting a 12 Al Cummins in it, putting a flatbed on it and dualies and making it cool is just neat, you know, and they're user, they're usable, you know, I mean, I've taken so many of them and I've late model chassis swapped them with a 97 Dodge four wheel drive truck. And I put the old cabs on them. And then you have all the good drivetrain. Me and my son did a 67 four door power wagon that we found in a junkyard in Utah, brought it back here, chopped the frame, stretched it five inches, and put a long bed four-door crew cab uh, power wagon with a Cummins in it. And it is such a cool truck. It's so cool. It drives like a new truck. And, you know, you can make them drivable. Yeah. And you still have a cool truck, you know? I mean, that's what's so fun about doing them. Which I should send you a picture of that dot. I love it. Yeah, I've seen it. Is in one of your episodes? I think you're using it as a bit of a parts runner to to go get. Oh yeah, yeah. Me and my kids were. Yeah, you were looking yeah. for parts for a bike or something like that. Yeah, that's that's a cool truck. Different colored doors and all that sort of shit. So. Um, yeah, yeah, we just literally took parts from every Dodge we could find and you know threw it together. Yeah, so. yeah, it's cool. It's um, it's amazing. I, I don't know if you know much about uh, what's what's. Uh, required in, in, in here in Australia for us to build anything custom, but we we have these super strict engineering laws, you know, and it's all, always a common conversation, you know, when we're talking about, especially people who 
aren't really in the scene and they're like, oh, you know, you have you seen that guy Steve Darnell builds those trucks? And I'm like, I'm like yeah, yeah, I watch the show. And they're like, oh, you should do that. The, the thing here in Australia is not one vehicle that's come out of your workshop would ever be on the road here in Australia because of our engineering laws. Does your, does your, do you guys have to have like, uh, does your motor have to match your, your VIN on your frame or how do you guys, how can you get away with it? Yeah, it's, it's not quite that strict. So we can, we can definitely do engine swaps. Uh, I mean, we can do cab swaps, which we do. Uh, but the, the thing that where they have these rules that came in, in about 1968, the first laws came in that had uh, like Australian vehicle regulations kind of things. So the first ones were like, you got to have seat belts and, you know, side intrusion bars in your doors and those sort of things. And what happens here in Australia is the vehicle is registered by the year of the chassis. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, if I've got, a 1950 Chev chassis like I I do off my truck, it's open slather because there were no rules back then. So, you know, I can put, I've got C30 suspension, I've got a a Cummins diesel engine in it, you know, I can do all that stuff. But what we can't do, which is is really frustrating that you guys can do is I can't take that, I can't go and buy a 97 Dodge Ram and then put my 50 chassis on there. Uh, Because the problem is that that, Chevy body then has to have all the rules for 1997. So it would have to have airbags. It would have to have, you know, side intrusion doors and sensors and all this shit. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a struggle. And, and, and it's all kind of like, seems like it's a gray area everywhere around, but you know, a lot of these guys, if you have a 32 Ford title and it's a 32 Ford body and you put a SoCal frame under it, as long as that body is stamped, you know, as a 32, you can usually get away with it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always seemed to get away with it all, but um, it's just so hard because, you know, you want to drive your old cars and the only way to really drive them in today's stop and go traffic is to put a modern drivetrain in them and motor. So they don't, you know, you got to think back in 1950, think about the, the, the stoplights compared to what they are now. Yeah. These cars were designed to drive down the road, flowing air through the radiator at, you know, 45 miles an hour all day long. But, you know, when you pull up to a stoplight here in Las Vegas and you might catch it twice because the traffic's so bad or, you know, or you just catch, keep catching lights on your way home, your transmission starts getting hot, you know, because there's not enough airflow and your motor starts getting hot. And that's just how it goes with these I mean, I, I have a 57 Chevy convertible. I just pulled out of a storage shed that had been sitting there since 1988. And it had the stock 283 in it. I put a Fitech fuel injection in it. It had the stock Power Glide two-speed transmission. And um, I made it all run. I welded the block. The block had frozen and cracked at some point in its life. So I welded the engine block back together and um, got it so it wouldn't leak. And then the other day I was driving it home. And for some, you know, I just kept catching a lot of light and it started getting hot, you know, and, um, I'm just sitting here in the back of my mind going, I can't wait to LS swap this thing. (laughs) I don't have to worry about the transmissions overheating right now. And, you know, it, it just, if you want to drive them in traffic, it's just, you have to, you know, you have to kind of late model them unless, 
you know, uh, you just turn them down so they don't hardly make any horsepower. Yeah. But if you, you make any horsepower with them, turn up the timing on them to make them run better, it's going to get hot. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It's just not enough. Not enough flow. Yeah, no, but, we 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 can do it. You know, we're not a hundred percent restricted because you know we we can put like not so much a Mustang too, you know, sort of front in, but you know, we it, it was popular hot riding here in Australia. You know, you use something like a an XJ6 Jag front end, and you know you you can put a Ford nine inch in the back, and you can put an LS in, and and do all those sort of things. But you know, the the key the the thing that makes it easier if you keep that original chassis, so. Yeah, it's it's just when we watch a show like yours, I guess just envious and jealous is the main words that I come up with because I, you know, I'd love the amount of ideas I have in my head that I just can't, we can't do it, you know. Yeah, no, and I I guess I didn't even I guess I don't think about it. I know that everybody's got different restrictions and you know around the world. Yeah. But we are lucky here in America to be able to have what's left of this hot rodding world. Um, I think with the emissions and all the stuff that's going on, we're going to be in the same boat in the next 20 years. So if I could live it out my time, <laughs> you have to be selfish, but the most of it. I would love to live it out my time as much as I can on petroleum. I want to run oil through my vehicles. I want to run diesel fuel and gasoline um, as long as I'm alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I just, I live for that, you know. Um, you know, those... Uh, and some of those cars that you guys got over there, holy crap, dude. I love you guys' burnout videos. Those are so awesome. I've been watching a bunch of those. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, it's funny because in 2008, I did that big burnout in that church parking lot with my diesel rat rod. Yeah. And that was back before, like, I think we even had, like, well, there was no Instagram. YouTube was just kind of coming out. And I think it had MySpace or something like that. But that video went crazy. It did like 3 million views in six or eight months. Yeah. And it went viral. And I think that's kind of what <clears throat> kind of put me on the map for what I was doing. You know what I mean? And from there, it's just gotten crazy. Like <laughs> everybody, we're, we're just the whole world doing burnouts now. It's kind of cool. Oh, I, love yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's awesome. These guys getting these, the, the, the Australians are crazy. I love it. I think it's so cool. I'd like to actually always wanted to come out and be a part of that. When you guys are got these top fuel motors in these little tiny cars doing burnout. It's so cool. I get a kick out. You got to come out here in, uh, I think it's in January. We, we have an event called summer Nats, and, um, it's just, it's just a V8 rev head weekend of just full blown. Yeah. Burnouts is pretty much the norm. So yeah, you'd fit, you'd fit right in there, mate. Yeah, it'd be cool to get the diesel rat rod shipped out there just to do some burnouts with them guys. No, that'd be so that'd be so cool. It'd be, it'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be a blast. But have you have you done the power tour? Like, have you gone and done power tour? No, I haven't. Um, thought about it a few times, but you know, it just seems like with what I've been doing with the show, you're just so busy. You know, you don't like it's hard for me to leave for a weekend. You know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. When we're filming, it's seven days a week. Like, I don't stop for months. And for me to prep a car, have it ready, you know, a lot of the Power Tour guys, you know, that they got they got that car, and they're going to work on that car. They're going to get ready. They're going to have all their stuff and go do it. Me, I just have to throw a toolbox in the back of my truck and, or my car and hopefully make it. Mm. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't even have time to get anything. I'd get 150 miles down the road and be like, damn, did we bring the tires? Like, we got any slick? Like, I'd forget shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, it'd be, it'd be hard. I mean, one day it might be fun to take it. I just put a new motor in that diesel rat rod. It makes pretty good power, so it would be fun to go do that. Yeah, it's, it's a time thing, isn't it, like you say? Yeah, it's just a lot of prep, you know? Yeah. You gotta you gotta plan your year for it. And, and power tour runs for a few weeks, doesn't it? Like it's it's not a weekend event. It's a it's a proper yeah. yeah. Yeah, it takes a little while to get through it, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I've got a couple of friends that have done it, and they do pretty good. Mm. Um, I know my buddy Jeff Letts did it from Street Outlaws, and that guy's got some amazing stuff. He's a hell of a fabricator. He can build a I mean, he was pulling a trailer with his Camaro out there and still running, like beating everybody. Yeah. Like it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. But a lot of those guys like to do it. Like I said, I mean, I have to, prepare, I'd have to prepare for it and get set up and maybe even take a couple of, you know, long drives with my my ride just to make sure I could do it without getting hemorrhoids. You know what I mean? Because it beat the guts out of you. <laughs> Your seats don't. Your seats aren't built that comfy, are they? Well, yeah, some of them aren't. You know what I mean? Like that car is just made to just get out there and get busy, you know. And I'm just. I was just talking to my son this morning. Um, I'm gonna. I've got a set of 37 inch paddle tires. I'm gonna get some full floater tires for the front of it and take it to the sand dunes, probably during Halloween. Yeah, that'd be fun. And <clears throat> go launch it up a couple of sand dunes because it'll. Dude, that thing will be so much fun in the sand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, be a blast. So you you mentioned your show, and I guess we haven't really touched on that too much. Um, I, I know that most of my listeners have, have probably heard of of your show and and what you guys are doing there on the Discovery Channel. So, um, I mean, your business is well up, but the the show is called the Vegas Rat Rods. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when it yep. I think when it airs here in Australia it, it's it comes under another banner. It's called Sin City Motors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean yep. you, that is what you guys have been going for uh what, six years now, forty eight episodes and uh I, I guess I've got a question for you about season five and you know, has has that dropped there in the States yet? Because I, I know there's nothing on our sort of radar at the moment. Well, you know, right now we're not even going to, we're not doing the show. I'm actually, I'm actually pitching another one right now that I want to do. Cause to be honest with you, I'm just, I'm kind of wore out from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the amount of time, I don't know. I don't know how other shows do it on TV, but we, we build our cars as we show them on TV. So like, you know, we build a complete car, you know, depending on it between, I would say, 10 and 25 days complete build chassis i mean i'm talking motor mounts training mounts the body type the, the motor like everything is basically built right there during the process and we're usually building two at once because you know there's a b story involved so there's another car that we're building while we're building that one yeah and it's just it just it was a lot of work and it's not that I didn't, I, I liked it, but it was, I'm looking at doing something a little bit different that should be, I don't know, a lot, a lot easier 
and probably is entertaining, if not more entertaining. Yeah. And it'll just be a little labor. But And I'll have to let you know, I, I can't really say a whole lot about it right now, but if it works, it's going to be great. You guys are going to love it. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, look, I look forward to that. I mean, I, I know even, you know, Chip Foos with Overhaul and, you know, they got burnt out with that as well and they, they took a break for a few years and, and they've come back now with a more relaxed structure for their show. So, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, I, you know, I'm building a truck from scratch and, and like you say, every single bracket and every every bolt on that thing never used to be there and you're putting that together in a couple of weeks. That's a shit ton of work. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? It it is a lot of work, and there's a lot of there's a lot of ingenuity that you have to come up with that isn't there. You make it up as you go, and you know not everything's going to work, and you might build something two times before you get it right. And when you're trying to do all of that, like you know, there's there's about five of us in the shop that know how to really put a car together, right? Yeah. So you get five pretty talented guys. You put them all in there. And these guys are working, we're working 12 to 15 hour days um, all day long. It's, I can't really explain it. It's almost kind of like going to, going to battle. Like you mentally have to just, you mentally go into something for literally months. Like I mentally check out for months because my focus is designing and figuring out and thinking like when I get home, all I do is stick my head in the shower and think about what I'm going to do tomorrow. Like what's the next move? I got, you know, five or six guys in there that need to know which direction to go. And, you know, that's the truth. You know, you have to get it to the point where it, it, it owns your life. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I mean, and you just can't get away from it. So I'm at that point where, look, you know, that's a lot of, that was a lot of responsibility, a lot of work. And if I do something, it's going to be a little easier, but probably more entertaining. You know what I mean? Um, Car shows are fun. I don't know if they're getting old or if it's just, you know, everybody's built everything so much, so many times that it's kind of like, okay, yeah, a 72 Chevy short box with an LS in it. Hmm, That's 50 of them I've seen get built. Uh, you know, it's, that was one thing about our TV show. You never knew what, what was next. You know, it was always going to be something crazy. You had no idea. And I think that's what, that's what our viewers love, and that's why our fan base is so great, is because they love the surprises, you know, of what's next. And, you know, I did too. I, I loved it. I love to surprise people on what I'm doing. Because I mean, even my guys in the shop, they didn't even know what was going on. They're like – what are we doing? I'm like, just, just give it another, two, give it another five days and you'll see what I'm talking about. Cause it's too hard for me to explain what I'm doing right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try to, try to get this crazy idea out of your head and onto the ground. Yeah. Well, and then you get guys like, you know, Merlin and Justin and Travis that kind of start to really understand you after we've built so many cars together. It's like nothing's a surprise to them mm. to the point to where they just, they just walk in and do it with me. You know, they don't, it's funny because a lot of guys I had working, I've had a few guys I had to get rid of because they just, they didn't get it. Yeah. They wanted to come in and build 32 Fords all day long. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not what we're doing here. You know, that would be a boring show. No one would watch this show if all we were doing was building the same shit over and over, you know? 
I go, what they're here for is to see what crazy thing we're going to come up with next. And if guys don't get it, I get rid of them. You know what I mean? Because I can't, I'm not going to sit there and debate about what I'm building with someone. You know, this is my shop. If you don't like it, then just pack your shit. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have time for that, really. Oh, absolutely not. Mm. Like, I just can't do it. So, so I mean, we're, we're, we're a classic, we're a classic pickup podcast that you know so i made a bit of a list here of of what i've seen that you've built and uh, i might just run through that just to give people an idea of what you have been building if they don't watch the show and then and then maybe you can just talk through a couple of them that that you sort of were your favorites or something like that okay yeah so uh yeah so you got a 1940 uh diamond t uh you got a nice early 50 chef truck similar to what i'm building you got a, a 79 peterbilt 71 ford f100 you got that big fuel tanker, which is a pretty early truck. There's a 41 Dodge, 34 International, 57 Chevy pickup, a 6772 C10. There's a 64 Dodge pickup, a 38 Mack truck, 32 Ford pickup, a 54 GMC COE. There's a 49 Ford F1. I mean, the list goes on. You've, you've put out some really awesome trucks. Well, that kind of put it in perspective for me. I was like, shit, I forgot about half of Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i guess some of the ones that stand out was <clears throat> um i mean all oh, that that clown car that we did that was a that was a 30 i think it was a 33 or 34 international truck with a big block chevy and a blower on it that thing was creepy and fun to build yeah like I went into some like weird, like for two months, like, or no, for about two weeks. I mean, I just listened to creepy clown music in my ears and I researched all these weird, uh, like, uh, it was like, uh, freak shows from the 1800s, you know? And, um, so like when I build these things, you know, you kind of have to live them. And that one was really fun. That one was fun. And then, um, you know, the fuel truck, the, the 36 Ford. Um, the union fuel truck that your tanker that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that um, tanker was awesome. It is awesome. It's a neat truck. I mean, you know, those trucks were all mechanical brakes back in the old days. So we had to find a, we had to find a late model, later model rear end. I mean, I think we got a rear end from like the late fifties to fit under it so we could put hydraulic brakes to it. And <clears throat> we had to make the front brakes work on hydraulics. And then we put a four-cylinder P-pump Cummins in it with a NG4500 five-speed transmission, and it sits in my front yard. Like, it's so funny because people come over and that don't know what's going on around here, and I'm like, hey, you want to go for a ride in that truck? And they're like, does it run? I just go out there and hit the key, fires up, and boom, right around the <laughs> cruises around the block. It's such a cool truck. Um, the, the Peterbilt, the black one, I think you're talking about, the 79P. Yeah. Uh, 359 oh what a cool truck my dad i grew up driving that truck when i was a kid in the yard i'd have to back the trailers up into the warehouse with that truck and it didn't have any power steering and it was kind of a back then i thought kind of an ugly truck but i found that truck again that a friend of mine still owned it and i put it together we we got the, you know Merlin and and a, a buddy of mine Will that's a really good diesel guy. We chopped it, stretched it three feet, 
airbagged it. We put a peat low air lease suspension in it. We air leased the front, or we put airbags in the front to lower it. So it actually almost lays on the ground. Um, and then we, uh, what else did we do to that thing? We put a industrial injection uh, pump on it. It's a 350 small cam Cummins in it with a 13 speed. And um, what a cool truck. Like, redid all the interior, put some really nice seats in it. Uh, it was just tons of nitrous. I mean, it was just a cool truck. That guy lives over in, um, he lives back east, and he takes it to car shows all the time. He's a heavy hauler. So he uses it for car shows and stuff. But that was a, God, that was a beautiful truck. Um, yeah, there's a 55 Chevy truck. I think we did a red one that had an LS in it with a 4L60 with a C4 Corvette drivetrain in it. That guy drives it all over America. He'll get in it and drive it to, he drove it from here to back to the 50s, which is in, uh, oh, shoot, where is it? It's over, uh, it's back, it's in Midwest, but he drove it all the way there and back. And I think he's got like 30, 40,000 miles on that truck. You know, a lot of these guys will drive them and just, you know, run them around on the weekend, but he drives it. Um, i trying to think some other trucks that we built on there that, did you see the, we did a 70 Ford, 1970 Ford. And we chassis swapped it with a 97 Dodge, I think. Yeah. And we put a twin turboed Cummins diesel in it. That one's pretty cool. That guy uses that truck all the time. He hooks a enclosed trailer up to it and loads cars in it and drives it to car shows. Loves it. That's a neat truck, and it gets used a lot. The fermented fruit, the cab over that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, it's got a rear engine Cummins diesel in it. That was one of the, I loved that truck. I, I loved it. And I built it for a really cool guy. And then he was going to buy his, uh, dad, his, uh, his dad out on the other side of his farm. They had a farm together, but he was trying to buy his dad out. So he sold it and another guy bought it, I think lives in Texas now, but that was a neat truck. That was so much fun to drive around. It actually ran really good. We're starting to get a few. We're starting to get a few of those COEs over here. You know, guys are bringing them over and 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 making you know car haulers and stuff out of them. And they they just got such an awesome look about them. I love them. They are. They're really cool. They're just really hard to put motors in because you got no real estate. Mm. I mean, they were set up for a little flathead V8 or a four or a six cylinder underneath the doghouse in the front. When you start start when you start trying to lower them. You know, with the diesel, it's going to come right up into the into the seat with you, you know. So I was like, you know what? If we want to keep this roomy where his wife and kids, you know, he had three daughters and his wife, and they all wanted to get in it. And I'm like, well, this is already pretty small. Let's just rear engine mount it. And um, it actually, because rear engine mounting it, made the truck drive really nice because it centered the weight up and it just flowed down the road. It didn't have that big heavy motor just banging on the front end of it. You know what I mean? So it was a, it was a neat truck. And them cab overs, like I said, you just lose real estate as you get them down on the ground. You got to figure out where you're going to shove stuff, intercooler, radiator, you know, all your, all, everything, you know, it just, it just takes away from it. But <clears throat> it's a, it is a cool truck. One, one of my favorites also. I wish I could have them all back, but 
I guess it don't work that way. <laughs> it's not a good way to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's just so many of them that were really cool. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I hated to get rid of them. And then, you know, sometimes it's not exactly what I wanted, but the customer was really wanting it that way. So I had to, there was cars I built I didn't really want to build because I just didn't like them. But when they're paying the bill, you just got to do it. Me, I'm just like, look, just come to me and I'll just tell me what you want. I'll go find everything and put it together. That way I can build my way. And then when you show up, just take off and go drive it, mm. you know. But sometimes it don't work that way. They want to pick what they want, and that's cool. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I just, there's a lot of cool ones out there, though. So I, I listen to uh, – you might laugh at this. I listened to – you're on another podcast um, way back, and uh, it was an accounting podcast of all things. And um, I, I had to listen to that episode where you, you were talking – you know, he was asking about you'd started a business, and I think you just got your first um, – the first year you were on Discovery. And But one of the stories that he brought up, which I thought was really cool, and I thought we might share it again for my listeners, was he was talking about your mum used to – to get, you know, like broken model cars and, and bits and pieces from different uh, yard sales and stuff like that and bring them home. And and that's kind of where you started. You know, you want to tell that story a bit for us? Yeah. So um, I don't know if I was really in that much trouble, but it seemed like I was grounded to my room quite a bit when I was a kid. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think me and my stepdad seen eye to eye very well. But anyway, um my mom would, you know, she'd be, she'd love to garage sell. So I, that was, I could get out and go garage sell with her. So either I'd go or she'd, she'd come home with these models that are just, you know, like kids have already rifled through them. Like they were getting started on it. And then they thought, Oh, this is, this is too much work. I don't want to mess with this. Um, they'd, she'd bring all these models home and then I'd sit in my room and I would just make my own cars. Like I would take wheels off of this and, the body off of that and, you know, make my own stuff. I mean, you know, I remember her buying <clears throat> evil Knievel toys and stuff and, you know, I would just shove it all together and make something cool out of it. I remember in Boy Scouts, they, uh, you know, back in the day when Boy Scouts were cool, <laughs> which I don't know if it was ever really that cool. <laughs> I didn't, the only time I went to Boy Scouts was when they had the Pinewood Derby. That was the only time. I was like, I'm not going to sit in here and tie knots and go camping with you dudes, okay? We're not doing that. But Pinewood Derby time, yeah. So I think I was seven or eight years old. It was the Pinewood Derby. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to build me a, a cool car. And, you know, like most of them, you know, these kids or dads, you know, they come in, they shave them all down, they get the weight just right, and they get the wheels graphited, and, you know, they want them as sleek as possible, so they'll go down the track. And um, so I whittled mine out, sandpapered it for like a week and got it how I wanted. And then those models that my mom would bring, I'm like, well, shoot, I'm going to, dude, I want to put some big fat tires on this thing. So <laughs> I took these tires and put these fat tires on the back and little skinnies in the front. And then I found a, a blower motor out of a, you know, like a model that had a supercharger on it with headers. And I kind of carved it down into the wood and glued it down in there. So the zoomies were like, sticking up and and then you remember the the stickers that you would get and i think you wet didn't you get them wet with water and then you could stick them on there and they'd stick um 
So I took the sticker kit from all these other models and I stickered the car up so it looked like a race car. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I was, I didn't, you know, I didn't have anybody help me build it. You know what I mean? So a lot of these projects are done with their dads, you know? So I showed up there. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to, ready to race, man. And uh, <laughs> it was funnier than hell because I remember setting it on the counter with all the other ones, you know, as a competition. You know, these are the ones that are racing today. And people are just staring at it like, there's no way this thing can go down the track. What the hell is going on with this? And um, so anyway, needless to say, it didn't, it didn't go down the track because what it did is it would go, you know how the, the, the track kind of rolls as it goes down? It kind of has humps in it. <clears throat> It'd take off okay, but then it would hit one of those humps and the headers would rub on the, on the high points and it slowed it down going across it. But, uh, but they actually gave me like an award for the coolest looking car. So I thought that was pretty neat. That was, I was seven or I think seven. I had to be seven years old, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of one of those times where you, <clears throat> you sit back and you watch people look at it and I do it now. Like if I pull up in my diesel rat rod somewhere or anything that I've built and just kind of watch the people look at it and enjoy it, talk about it, <clears throat> you know, whether it's good or bad, it's creating attention. And I think I just got addicted to the attention, yeah. you know, at a young age. So then I, and it didn't matter if it was my BMX bikes or, or whatever, I would do something cool to it to kind of give it my own twist. And it just kind of evolved as I got older. <clears throat> but yeah, my mom, man, she, she would bring home some boxes of models. And I mean, I'm like, I'm over there with an evil Knievel body with no head trying to rip my sister's Kindle's head off, put it on evil Knievel. So he had a head, you know what I mean? So I could go out and wheelie his motorcycle. Just shit like that. I mean, it's crazy what you do when you don't have nothing. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that just fuels imagination, doesn't it? And I mean, you've you've just it sounds like you've just taken that from from the little scrap pile in your bedroom into the workshop with a big junkyard, and you know you're doing the same thing, really. Well, yeah, and then you convince you know five or six of your friends to think it's cool. Mm. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. Well, let's do it. You know, I mean, that's kind of what's neat is. You know, the crew that I have around me is just unbelievably talented, you know. Like, they're just, like, it's not me, you know. I mean, I have a lot of creative mind, and I, I can weld and fabricate and build stuff. But, so, yeah, you take someone like Justin that's just got so many skills, and he's smart, and he's young enough to where he's sharp. You know, he's really sharp, and he's just very smart. And then, you know, and then you get somebody like Merlin that is, you know, I mean, he's forgot more stuff than most people ever know. Yeah. And he's just got a knack for it. He's super smart. And everything he touches is no effort for him. You know, I've, I've, I've sat there and I'm usually the one that can figure things out pretty fast. But when I'm stuck on something and I'm just like, I'm staring at it, he'll just walk up and go, we'll just put that right there and, and do that and tap those holes and screw it in and it'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, cool. Sometimes it's so great to have those guys around because we never get stuck on nothing because we all have a great idea, you know, and, you know, Travis, you know, he's a perfectionist, Like he's seriously a perfectionist. Like sometimes it's hard for me to 
to go, hey, Trav, we got we to gotta rock and roll, dude. We got to go. But he's such a perfectionist that he wants everything perfect. And he's very talented, like, like super talented. And, you know, you take these guys and my cousin, my crazy cousin, Dave, he's always got a great idea. And, like, sometimes you'll go through five ideas and then he'll come up with an idea and you're like, that's a great idea. <laughs> so we roll with it, you know. And, you know, like I said, you put them guys together in the shop and the camaraderie of all of us becomes very magical. And I think that's the biggest rush about it all is being with those guys in there, creating something that nothing has ever been done. Like this is the only one ever that's ever going to be made. And we're going to create it today. You know, in two weeks, we're going to have this thing done and driving it down the road like completely from nothing to something with, you know, a few guys in the shop that just have a good work ethic that are die hard. They don't not show up. They're never late. They're there fired up and ready to go every day. That's the crew that I have. And that's why we got through this show is because none of them weakened, you know, I mean, a few of them couldn't make it because it's just, it's too hard on some people. You know, it is. It's hard on people. And like I said, when I'm in the motion of doing it, I really don't have time for people's feelings. And if, if, it's, if your feelings are hurt or you're mad about something, then if you want to leave, then leave. I, I, can't, I can't stop. I got to keep going. So, but the ones that were there and put in their time, they, they definitely go the legacy of who they are and what they're capable of doing. And it's just cool. I mean, and I miss it. You know, that's the part I do miss about it is just being in there with them guys and like really being in the trenches. You know, there's a lot of people that do TV shows, but they're not in the trenches. You know, they might come in and look like they bolted the wheels on it and shit to look like the hero. But the fact of the matter is, is were they there at two o'clock in the morning with their guys stuck under it, trying to figure out why it won't go into gear because we're revealing this tomorrow. No, they just go, hey, get that shit fixed. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, not, not, me. not me. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there when no one's there. That's how committed I am. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't see Richard Rollins lying on the ground with a transmission on his chest trying to help the boys put it in. No, but, you know, Richard Rollins got a lot more money than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's doing something right. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, it just, I, I, but I wouldn't, I don't want to trade that for anything because the people that are listening to this podcast today, they know, they know that I'm in there. They know that I'm in there building and working and making it happen. There's no question about it. There's never been an episode where you watch me sit in a chair, kick my feet up on the table and be like, yeah, I'm just going to chill out. You guys fix all this shit and then call me when you're done. I'm going to the park yeah. with, you know, my dog or something, you know, like, no, I'm, I'm nothing like that. I'm right in the middle of it with them, and I will fight to the end with them. And that's what's so cool. When you work with your guys, not against them, they will put in 110% with you. But you have to work with them, and you got to be a leader and push and push and push and be there when no one's there. Because if you're there doing it when no one else is there, guess what they're thinking? I should be mm-hmm. there. And then the next time they're there, you know what I mean? 
And I, I told them, I go, guys, this is a small window of opportunity in our life. We're not going to do this forever. we got to put 110% in it, whether it's two years or five or ten years. you got to do it. And it's a commitment. And you're going to freaking – your wife's going to get mad. Your kids are going to be without their dad a little bit. Um, but it's all going to be okay. And, you know, it is a commitment, you know. So that was the part I think that I missed the most, though, is being in the shop with those guys and just battling it off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like me and Merlin, we'll get together and do a little something together, and it's just a rush. It's just a rush to be in there. Just your brain, your brain's going crazy, and you're, you guys are you guys are bouncing ideas off each other back and forth until something sticks, and then you're like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. You know, and that's. That's the only thing fun. And, you know, really, that's kind of where old hot rodding came from. You know, these guys got out of World War II with all these skills. They could run they could run machinery. They knew how to work. They were lucky to be alive. They came out of that thing and said, you know what? Shoot, I made it. I made it. They all went to war to die, all of them. So when they got out, they took it as an opportunity to be like, you know what? Let's take our skills and put them to work now. You know, and them guys would get together and they'd build badass race cars. They were pulling hemis out of an old Chrysler and shoving them in a Model A coupe and going out and drag racing with three or four of them. You know, and that's when it was cool. You know, that's when a club was cool to be in. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't even understand the car club myself. But yeah, I mean, but back then, it was the ideas, and there were three or four of them. They're like, let's build this race car, and they had skills and they had knowledge and they wanted to make horsepower and that's what's increased our our performance world is because of them old guys that would do that from world war ii you know i mean think about the years of flathead v8 fords i mean shoot they didn't have any real affordable v8 back in the you know from 32 to 55 you know so they took those flatheads and they started building cylinder heads and two strombergs and blowers and they just made horsepower out of a flathead until chevy came out with the the v8 chevy you know and then that kind of cornered the market for ever but these guys really are what i think made us who we are today is in this world and you know back then they were making their own stuff now we get on we just get online order it and here it comes you know but back then they were just realizing that Mercury started making a more horsepower V8. So they started taking the Merc motors and putting them in the 32 Fords and the five window coupes and making horsepower with them. And, you know, those guys that were doing it were no different than me and my guys, really. I mean, we're just sitting in there bouncing ideas off each other going, Hey, you know, like, I'm like, Hey, let's do a charger with a supercharger and a turbo on it. And then I go home and sleep at night and wake up the next morning and go, nope, let's do two superchargers and, and a turbo. And I walk in there and tell these guys, and they're just, they're like, yeah, why not? <laughs> so two 671 blowers and two massive turbos on a freaking 12-valve Cummins diesel in a 68 Dodge Charger. Now, that just flipped over and pissed off everybody in the Charger world <laughs> yeah. thinking that I just destroyed this beautiful car. You know what I mean? But if I would have took it back to a regular charger and put fenders on it, because all the fenders were cut out of it, all the quarters would have had to be changed. All the front fenders would have had to be changed. The roof skin was cut into a T-top, so I would have had to totally put a new roof on it. 
I'm like, why would I go through all that work when I could make something cooler out of it? So that's how the charger evolved. And then, you know, like you got a crew in the shop with you that is like willing to do this crazy build with you and you just do it. And that's what was really cool about that. You know, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. That, that's a cool, when I had a, work, a walk around the workshop there, uh, at your yard, um, you know, you got a bunch. Anyone, anyone that's ever gone to Las Vegas that's listening, you got to go and and have a walk around Welder Up and just have a look at all the stuff there that that uh, Steve's built because, yeah, that charger's sitting in there in your workshop and it was it was really cool to see. Um, I, I tell you what was a a really a really great thing for me while I was there. I don't know if you'll remember this, but uh, we we were walking around having a look at the cars and you know I'd actually emailed you back then about trying to do this podcast episode we're doing right now and and you were filming at the time and it wasn't going to work out so we just went to check the shop out and while we were in there the, there was a guy turned up and and he was a terminal cancer patient and he was there with a buddy and and they basically had said instead of sitting in a hospital bed waiting to die we're going to get out on the road and we're just going to drive around america and we're going to we're just going to live and and it was pretty yeah. pretty awesome. And and you've got a special car there. You guys built the cancer car, and um, you know you you basically. I mean, you you must have dug a, a heap of big fistfuls of money out of that car, and and we all threw some cash in a bag, and and he went on his way and and enjoyed the last parts of his life. And I think that's pretty special what you're doing there. Yeah. No. It's uh, you know I never knew how affected. Like once I built that car for Joe's little boy. I never realized how affected I would be with cancer from people. Um, you know, I had a guy a week, two weeks ago, dying wish, stage four cancer, came in and wanted to see the welder up shop. Matter of fact, I think it was, was it last, maybe it was last week. It was last week I did a tour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're coming with their family and, you know, they're, it's just sad, you know, it's like, I feel pretty privileged to think that this man, it, I'm on his bucket list, you know, and, and it's happened over a over hundred, maybe 200 times. Like that's their bucket list to come see Welder Up Shop and see you and meet me. And so, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to like step back and realize, because I don't, I don't realize who I am or what I'm doing. I'm just so busy all the time that I don't, I don't play the celebrity card really well, you know, cause I'm just like, I'm itching to go to work right now and finish my LS motor in my 57 Chevy. Like seriously, like I'm, I'm itching to do it. So for me, it's hard for me to step out of that zone and just be like, I'm the greatest, uh, Steve Gardell, everybody's come, you know, like I don't feel that yeah. way. I feel sorry for this guy and his family and their kids you know, that are coming. I had a little boy named Wyatt. He was 10 or 11 years old, car fanatic, loved it. Stage four cancer, going to die. And he came in and, man, I put him in my 55 Chevy and did a burnout with him. And you would have thought this kid just went to the moon. Like he just, he loved it. But I spent time with him and, and just to think that, you know, this little boy doesn't have an opportunity to see life at all. And, um, you know, it's sad that I have to see that, but it's part of the deal. 
You know what I mean? Like, I never thought that I would be so involved in so many people dying of cancer since I built that car. Yeah. And, you know, and, and now it's like, okay, at some point, you know, I need to do something with the car. You know, at some point it's got to do something. It needs to raise money, but I'm so afraid to have some other kind of a, like, you know, person come in that's going to manage it, and then they take all the money. Like, my, I think it's great that my fans come in and throw money in the car. Because if, if that guy came in again, like that guy, and think about it. He was traveling around till he died. Because I asked him about it. I go, well, what are you going to do when you get really sick? He goes, I got enough pills in here to kill an elf. <laughs> so he goes, I won't. I don't care. But they were sleeping in the back of the truck. Yeah. Traveling. Him and his buddy. And I was like, man. That has got to be the most uncomfortable way to, to, to go out, you know. But he was so determined to come to all the way from Oklahoma, probably in pain, drive to the welder up shop, and then go see the beach. That's what he wanted to do. And, um, and it was great for me to take one of them green bags out of my shop, fill it full of money, just stuffed it, handfuls of money in it. I don't know how much money was in there, and I didn't care, you know. And, and just was like, you know, go get a nice room, down on the beach, hang out, enjoy your, your days that you have, you know? And at that point, what do you say to a guy? You know what I mean? I'm just, I don't even know what to say to him, you know, like, but it's kind of cool because when they come in, they're not talking about dying. They're not feeling sorry for themselves. I've never had one of them feel sorry for himself. He wanted to know about the charger and the bus and the semi truck. And I used to drive truck and man, I love your shop. And I just, Oh, look at all the cool stuff in here. This is awesome. You know, like it completely takes them away from what's going on for that moment. And they get to like live in my shop for a minute around me and just be a part of it. You know? Yeah. It's a, that's a humbling experience. Yeah, it's pretty tough. It's tough for me to even talk about. Yeah, yeah. As you were saying earlier, you know, like you take for granted what you've got. And, and, and I mean, you should. I mean, you just, you get up in the morning, you do your thing and everything you've got, you know, you've worked hard for it. You've had the opportunities and, and, but it's, yeah, it's great to see that uh, you take some time and, and give back. I think it's fantastic. Well, I mean, you just got to take a moment and think because of the guy that I am and the respect I've earned for being on my hands and knees in that shop, they want to come see me. They want to see Steve Darnell. They want to see what he's done. That's cool. I'm not a phony person. I'm not fake. I'm not doing TV and being just the guy on the show. But to think that I've literally had a couple hundred people come to me dying to see me, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty deep because I want you to think of, five people that you've seen on TV and if your dying wish was to go see them, who would you pick? You know what I mm. mean? Think about yeah. it for a minute. But, but for them to thank me, that's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? So I don't know. And it's all the way down to little kids. I mean, older guys, mid-age guys, little kids. And man, the little kids, boy, they, they get me hard, man. I mean, it's tough especially when they just love the cars and they like that stuff is it's like, they're not going to get the opportunity that I got. I feel bad and almost guilty 
that I'm 48 years old and that I'm in good shape and healthy, and this little 10-year-old kid that has never even had a chance isn't going to make it. He ain't going to make it to ever see anything that I've seen or do the things that I've done. His opportunities are over. You know, I mean, it just, it just, it just sucks. It sucks to see it happen. Yeah. And everybody's like, well, that's life. Yeah, it is life, but that sucks that that has to happen to a little kid. And, you know, they're going to miss out on a lot of things, which I don't know. It just sucks for me to, to see that. And I have to deal with it more than, more than I ever thought I would. Like, I have emails all day long of people that are, you know, want me to sign like a poster to send to them because they're, they're dying of cancer. I mean, it's crazy. Like that cancer car opened up cancer. Literally. Mm-hmm. It's like, it put cancer all over through my shop and me. I don't have it, but it opened me up to this cancer. I, I didn't realize how bad cancer is until you start getting all these people's emails and they're telling you about it, you know? So I don't know. I've been working, like, this is serious, but I've been working on these uh, different vitamins, like they're plants and roots and stuff from different, and I'm trying to put together this preventative cancer natural stuff, (laughs) and I've been trying it seriously for, like, the last month, and um, because I'm so, I'm, I'm like, so sick of it. Like, I wish I could help people some way, you know what I mean? And I've never realized how bad it is till you're in the middle of it. You know, so, but other than that, I mean, you know, it's just cool to have them people come in and I just, and I don't know if you knew this, but I just, uh, I released a welding course on, uh, online. Um, it's called welder 101 and, um, it's a, it's a long course. It's like 10 hours of just a beginner welder. If, If you don't know what you're doing, you can get on there and it'll, I'll pretty much tell you what to get and how to get started and then once they take the course i'm thinking about doing a in-house welding course at my shop and you know i'd love to see these, this young generation come and do it and teach them a trade you know um and i think it'd be great you know what i mean yeah that that would be cool so i started that. yeah i've been busy i started it a week ago and it's a it's a facebook community so once you once you join up, you join up into this Facebook community and all the beginner welders can interact and talk to each other and we could figure things out. And I jump on there and say, Hey, yeah, I would try to turn your heat up a little bit or do this or that, you know, like try to help them out. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's coming up. That's actually released uh, shoot, a little over a week ago. So it's going to be a good course. I mean, it's 10 hours long. It's a lot, but it took me like, Holy crap. I know that I had, at least 150 hours of filming to get it to 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I watched, I watched a little bit. I think you must've had a, you might've had a trailer or something on YouTube and, and uh, yeah, I think that's really cool just to, you know, to hear, you know, you can get on YouTube and just hear anyone talk about anything, but you know, guys who've watched the show and they've seen you do all that work and you know, they, they know it's legit, I suppose. Well, you know, the thing of it is, is like, I mean, I'm not much of a teacher, really. I'm I'm pretty crude when it comes to it. Like, you know, I'm more like hands-on. Like, you, you really got to touch it. But if I could get you to the point where you can feel confident about the terms and the technology, you know, the 
and how it works and how you can, you know, what you wear and how to protect yourself. And if I can get that out there, so when I do put the school on, they can be ready. They kind of ready, they're ready to go. And, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of women signing up for it too, because, you know, girls want to learn too, you know, which is cool. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of a, kind of neat. I didn't think I'd get, you know, uh, women involved but they're they're into it too yeah no that's cool but my i told my wife how to weld and um yeah she she uh she's she's into it it's good fun it's um yeah i mean any any sort of uh learning learning setup so is, is that a course that uh is that like a subscription-based course or is that just a free thing you're putting out how does that one work for you steve well no it's a, it's a paid for yep. course um it's it's 10 hours long. Um, you become a com- part of the community. Um, and then once you're on there, I'm going to continuously do videos that only the YouTube guys that are on my, on my welder one-on-one course will get to see it. And then we interact. And then when I do my course here at my shop, I'll give them back their money on that course when they take this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'll be like a, it'll be like a, you know, a break on the one in the shop. Yep. So, um, but yeah, it's just because I think if people are going to pay for it, they're going to really watch it. And I'm not like a YouTuber, so I don't really, you know, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of time and information out of my head. So, but I feel like if they're going to pay for it, they're going to watch it. If you put it on there free, they'll get bored after, you know, People get bored after five minutes of watching. Something, oh yeah, you know what I mean. But if you paid for it, you're gonna be like, "No, I paid for this shit. I'm gonna watch it." You know. So, so if our listeners uh, are interested in that, they just what what should they look up to find that? They could just go to Welder 101, um, or you could go to uh, Welder Up, and there should be a link on my page that'll link you to it. Yep. And sometimes there's like <clears throat> there's gonna be some uh giveaways like people in the community i'll get like welders and a bunch of stuff and then i'll give it away to the people in the community because we'll do like a drawing or something and then um also like in this kit or in the thing we'll ship you out metal to your house so you can practice with the metal that i showed you on the video so that way you can practice with the and i've already sold a bunch of those kits like people are really wanting them and um, they're in their garage building mm. stuff and already putting videos out there. So it's really cool because people are really trying to do it. And it's a trade that you can always make money at, you know. And with the, you know, unfortunately our, our kids nowadays are, you know, so tied up with technology that they don't want to work with their hands anymore. And there's jobs out there that people could get to make good money if they would just learn how to read a tape measure and, and not be afraid of getting sparks shot on them and, you know, burn their fingers. I mean, shoot, you can make a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, they can just go to welder up, um, or go to welder one oh one, and, you know, watch some of the, watch some of the videos, see if it's something that you might be interested if it is and do it. Because like I said, if you ever come to Vegas, um, we're going to, I'm going to try to put together an all inclusive like little thing. Which I'll just let you know because I, I haven't really released it yet. But you know my bus that I built yeah. on TV. Yeah. 
so what I'll do is I'll put them up in a room right down the, on the strip and then go pick them up every morning in my bus, maybe get some coffee, come to the shop, work, get on the bus, go to some of my favorite places to eat lunch every day. And then, um, you know, so it's not only just in the shop, like, oh, I'm yelling at you guys all day. It's going to be more of a fun experience where you live the life of Steve Darnell every day and we get to, you're going to learn some shit while you're here. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I want to do. You know, it kind of inspires the kids to go, this is a cool life I want to live. I want to do this. Because being a welder my whole life, I've always been free. You know, like I can pick and choose my jobs. I can do what I want. And I can make, you know, you could go make $300, $400 in a day in half the day and, you know, be ready for your next job the next day. And it's just the freedom of, like, having your own tools and your own truck and your own, you know, you're, you're buying your own gas and you're buying your own parts and pieces and you just you create this little business around yourself that's very independent and i love that feeling like i like to know that i didn't have to you know i mean i worked for my dad for 13 years in the steel yard but after that you know i did my own thing and when i did i just i love the freedom of picking and choosing what i want to do and when i want to do it and the challenges you know some guys Dude, the, the, I've welded some of the craziest things I'd never thought I'd ever weld, you know? And it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing sometimes what people need. Like, I'll give you an example of something you've probably never heard before. So I had this guy call me one time. He's like, hey, I have a wheelchair that needs to be welded back together. A wheelchair, simple. I'm thinking, oh, okay, no big yeah. deal. Um, so I show up. He goes, well, if you can come to my work and do it, it would be the best thing because, um, you know, I – I can't really get out of it. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Well, this guy was crippled from the neck down. Okay. And he would literally steer this thing with like a tube in his mouth. Well, what happened is that chair, when it would go back, it broke and it almost flipped him over. Okay. So I'm like, well, crap. I mean, I can't get you out of this. And he goes, no, I, I gotta, I can't get out of it. So I took him in the parking garage <laughs> and I tied him to my truck. I had a flatbed truck with my welder and everything. I ratchet strapped it to the truck, okay? And I'm with my buddy Ty that worked for me at the time, and I'm, I'm like, looking under the wheelchair at him, and I'm like, I can't believe we're freaking going to do this. And there was a broken bracket underneath there that literally was the support of this thing flipping over backwards with him. And I got it all into position, got in there with a little sander grinder, and <laughs> cleaned, it, cleaned it up. And I welded this thing together with this dude in the wheelchair. <laughs> wow. And I mean, the only thing that was between that piece of, you know, was a, was a piece of like hard board and the piece of metal. So I had to like weld it and cool it really quick, you know, so it didn't catch the wood on fire. And, you know, I mean, I didn't want to, it, it was crazy. It was like, I drove out of there that day and I go, okay, that tops it. Like, I don't even know, like I welded some stupid crazy stuff together but that was probably one of the craziest things i've ever done but i literally like people walked by and i got ratchet straps tied to this guy's wheelchair tied to my truck trying to get it to straighten out and get the bracket right so i could weld it back together i mean it's just you know and you walk out of there and you you kind of feel good about what you just did and you and you made some money you know and it was easy and that was literally on my way back from another job. I stopped in and did that job. So it's like, you know, a guy that could knows how to weld and 
any mechanics out there that don't know how to weld, they should know how to weld. That's hand in hand. They should know how to weld. And I, I have a, a young kid that's a technician that works in my shop right now, and he's a great technician, but he's not a, he doesn't know how to weld really. So he's been taking the course, and I'm going to put him to – I'm going to actually teach him how to weld. And that will double his income. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if you can go into a shop and you know how to weld and mechanic – that's a great, that's something good to put on your resume. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it really yeah. is. Yeah, you, you're preaching to the converted here, mate. I, I'm a carpenter by trade, and um, I got sick and tired of that and started welding more and more, and, and now I'm a full-time welder and fabricator. And, yeah, like you say, I mean, I get jobs walk through the door here every day, like whether it's a broken trailer or, you know, just the most random stuff. And it, it's just, you know, you're, we're always going to need a welder, so it's, it's a good job. Oh, it's a great trade. Mm. They all need to know yeah. it. They should. Yeah. Mate, um, we should probably wrap up. I mean, you, you've got an LS sitting there screaming at you, and um, and it's 3.30 in the morning for me. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, yeah. But, um, hey, I, I just want to say thanks for coming on. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And, um, you know, when I when I first decided to launch the podcast and, and I, I went on this big trip to the States for a couple of weeks, I, I had a – a handful of guys who I was, I sent an email out and I just thought, oh, you know, if I ever hear back from any of these guys and, and get a chance to maybe interview one or two of them, uh, it would be amazing. And and you were on that list. So um, thanks for being good to contact and, and thanks for coming on board, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully one of these days I'll be off to see you guys. Yeah, that'd be really cool. All right. So uh, if, if people want to check your stuff out, I mean, you know, here in Australia, you got to watch Discovery Channel on Foxtel, I think. But a lot of your a lot of the episodes of your show are up on YouTube, um, Sin City Motors, Vegas Rat Rods. And uh, obviously, you got your website and, and socials. So but check out this new wellness course. That sounds really good, man. I think a lot of people will benefit from that. I think you're doing a good thing. Yeah, I think we just need to we need to get people in a trade because it's dying everybody thinks that you can get an app for everything and you don't have to work no more well the ones that are working that are not afraid these kids that are over in the oil fields right now are making more money than a doctor right now they're killing it and they're 25 years old you know so i don't know i mean anybody that has some fabrication skills or wants to do it they should get on there and learn the basics and get started you know and it doesn't matter how old you are, you know, even if you just want to do it for a hobby, it's nice to know the shortcut to get to where you want to be. This is all it is. It's a shortcut to get you some knowledge and get started. That's all. You know what I mean? And then you can build your own truck and you can go drive it and, and you're a legend. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. that. <laughs> all right, Steve. Uh, thanks, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully next time I'm over that way. If we're, if we ever allow to get on a plane again, uh, I'll come back and catch up with you again. I'd love that, man. It's good talking to you. Thanks for everything. And hi to everybody out there listening. Thanks, buddy. All right. We'll see you. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad. So please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day 
Even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.